how long before the hate that we hold lead us to another holocaust so we so deep in it that we can't end it stop hold ever call it off it's too clear nuclear too near and the holders of the molotov say the revolution's right here right now hand they calling off a double finger with a fist, here at the abyss, I'm gonna be a tour guide, it is wartime, check your wrist, ready kid, over to your right, shine a light, got a bevy ready for the fight, I just wanna live, I don't wanna ever have to load a clip, only hunt bliss, I am still a kid in my heart, but these motherfuckers sick, they don't give a shit, not at all, they don't even wanna let you take a little piss in a pot, listen along, they don't want your love, shit is bug, motherfuckers steady getting rich from the blood, love when you bet, trust, I'ma sooner put a fucking pair of lips to the sun, love will survive, when I'm under iridescent lights for our lives. I would be surprised if we ever got the feeling so alive is tonight. Wild for the night. Look into my eyes. I am standing at your side for the fight. Minds over mice. Swear to God, they can barely even see the dog. All right, Joe. Um, I have I have a question for you. I want you to tell me which of these, uh, not all couplets, but which of these sets of couplets from uh, Run the Jewels 3 best best describes your own life. All right. Um, so uh, uh, I done read books by Sun Tzu, learned from beautiful women who rolled my joints to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's pretty accurate for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm the man bitch, got big ideas, got plans to rob any Rothschild living, Bill Gates, and the ghost of Jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. Then we've got... <laughs> <laughs> Can't contain the disdain for y'all demons. You talk clean and bomb hospitals. So I speak with the foulest mouth possible. And I drink like a Vulcan, losing all faith in the logical. Mm. I will not be confused for docile. I'm free, motherfuckers. I'm hostile. Mm. And then lastly, uh, I refuse to play humble as though my dick itty bitty. I got banana bick, dick. <laughs> Your bitch go ape shit if she hit it. Uh huh. Well, let's let's talk through all these. The first uh, talks about uh, reading Sun Tzu uh, and having women roll joints for me. I can't say, while teaching you things. While teaching you things, I, I can't say. Although I uh, acknowledge that that is an ideal existence, uh, <laughs> I can't really say that that represents my existence oh. uh, in in any in any respect. So. I will. Uh, I will point out you have the ingredients to make that your existence, Joe. I do. I do. Yes. Um, that, that could it could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then the the second uh, passage. Yes. Uh, where I, I'm robbing Rothschilds, Bill Gates, and uh, the uh, the ghost, ghost of Steve Jobs. Jobs. Steve Jobs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> again. Uh, something I really admire, but uh, wonder whether that's um, uh, an accurate uh, yeah uh, depiction of my. Well, one questions whether Killer Mike is literally robbing the ghost of Steve Jobs, so it could be more of a metaphorical thing. True, 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 true. <laughs> uh, that's that is um something that he. Uh, only Killer Mike knows exactly <laughs> how uh, accurate uh, that uh, that is meant to how literal that is meant to be taken. Um, I, the third passage yeah. is, I think, where it speaks to me. 
mm-hmm. where we are saying um, this is a passage that I pulled out of this album uh, mm. to talk about um, where uh, LP, uh, I believe, uh, speaking, uh, he, he's acknowledging that many people, uh, we could start with President Barack Obama and go from there, uh, talk mm-hmm. a good game uh, while commanding drones to kill uh you know, hundreds of civilians uh, mm-hmm. for endless war. And he says that uh, one should talk as foully as possible to counteract these uh, silver tongue devils. And th- to me, uh, that feels very accurate, mm-hmm. uh, how I want to speak my rage uh-huh. uh, in, and bring, uh, you'll rain a hot fire of drone-like... <laughs> uh, truth upon the world so and also I, and also get drunk as fuck at the same time which is yes the and line. then get drunk like a vulcan uh when these <laughs> things seem hopeless when your logic in these situations is solely defeated soundly defeated uh one is left uh staring at the abyss uh mm-hmm. you know edward 40 hand style just a you know a forty of steel reserved uh, taped <laughs> taped to each hand, the only way to uh, go and fight uh, in this hopeless reality. What was the fourth passage? I forget now. It was, and I refuse to play humble as though my dick itty bitty. I got banana dick. Your bitch go ape shit if she hit it. Well, I mean theoretically that does describe me. But, um, you know, I'm just not showing the banana to others. So, uh, again, we go to the realm of uh, the hypothetical there. Uh, Whereas, uh, I guess that's Killer Mike saying that, and Killer Mike is a a married man. uh, Yeah, he said your bitch would go apeshit if she hit it. So there's no there's no cheating here. He's speaking yeah. about a hypothetical situation. I mean, I just feel bad. I don't want to say that, you know, in any way do I have the charisma or draw of Killer Mike. I mean, <laughs> my God. But you do have a banana dick. We all know this, Joe. It does have, uh, it does curve upwards. Uh, <laughs> uh, that is, uh, you know, it's something that I've had Is that what at. you... Is that what you take from that? I I took it to be just a size description. <laughs> no, I I'm sure it's just a size description, but it's just it's more fun to think he's talking about like a uh, a near concerning level of curvature of the of the dick. No question. Although no question. I think if it curves up, that's less of a problem. I think it's if it curves to the left or the right, like that's where you could really encounter issues, uh, both for you and your partner. A a corkscrew is the true ideal, as we all know.
Welcome to Savage Beast 2017. Uh, I am Joe Gallagher. Uh, with me, as always, uh, an alpha among betas, Paul McLeod. I'm a I'm a gamma Joe. There's no there's, I'm beyond your uh, simple binaries. Wow, I think that are the gammas worse in Brave New World or better? Oh, I thought you were just talking about, you know, uh, pickup artist theory. Um, you know, so I have it, no idea. <laughs> I've uh, never read Brave New World. What? Paul, I know I should. Come I on. How are you going to judge uh, the uh, class politics of Run the Jewels if you haven't just uh, <laughs> read more about uh, the alpha, betas, gammas, deltas, and epsilons of Brave New World? I uh, clearly I'm already learning about new things just from hearing uh, just from this discussion. So uh, I will read it. I uh, I'm in between books right now. So the, that could be on the list. Um, Aldous Huxley, uh, he wrote one of the best books uh, about taking acid mm. um, called The Doors of Perception. Um, re- it's a really actually I guess he is taking mescaline in mm. it but it, it, his description of the hallucinating experience is one uh, that is perhaps most illuminating excellent um, alright Joe what are we talking about <laughs> I mean, I, I, I play, that sounds great I'll read that is what I meant to say it's 2017. <laughs> uh, our podcast continues on. Uh, mm-hmm. We, if you were one of the three people uh, still listening to the first 10 minutes or so uh, of our podcast before turning it off, uh, we thank <laughs> you for holding on this long uh, to our second year of existence. Um, it hasn't worked to say it at the end, so please uh, rate us on iTunes. Yeah, tell that's a good your point. Friend, tell your friends about us. Uh, subscribe, um, mm-hmm. Savage and, uh, Beast. Write us vicious emails, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? We might have thirty emails waiting for us in the Savage yeah. Beast inbox that we. I'm, I'm going to do at. something crazy. I'm going to check our email live on air. Whoa! Yeah, um, we don't have to stop to talk. Well, I, uh, I hope there are good some qu- some good questions in there. I hope there's some sweet spam. Um, uh, I don't even is our email Savage Beast or Savage Beast Pod? I believe it's Savage Beast Pod. Savage Beast yeah. at gmail.com, not available. Yeah, that's right. Um wow. <laughs> this is thrilling podcast. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Paul. Mm. Did you uh what I put in the wrong password. Oh, the uh, plot thickens. My god, two step authentication necessary no okay got the correct password and we have a bunch of emails from twitter patreon oh wait oh my sister asked for the free download for car seat headrest somebody listened to the end of that podcast joe wow (laughs) hell yeah martha good job hey it could have been hannah you don't know no it was martha it was definitely Um, Martha. (laughs) there's no question um, she probably doesn't have Twitter, so that's why she sent us an email. 
Uh, yes. All right, Paul's sister listening to the end of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> this was uh, over a month ago she sent that. So um. Yeah, probably uh, while hiking some giant mountain. Um, yes, no question. Um, okay, so we're here to talk about uh, Run the Jewels and their amazing surprise early release of Run the Jewels 3. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the subject of our podcast. But before we get to that, uh, we want to talk a little bit about um, perhaps the only remaining uh, pretentious music event of the year, <laughs> which is the release of Pitchfork's uh, Best Albums list. Uh, I, I don't know that there's anything else that uh, anyone cares about that's not like uh, something that they work for or stand for on the regular um, mm-hmm. that carries this much weight. Um, yeah, I mean, I there's no other music list I think about uh, ever. You know, if I see a music list linked to online, I might go look at it. But as far as like in in May, I will occasionally think like, I wonder if this will make Pitchfork's end of year list. Um, totally. And that would never happen with any other publication. Um, so, Paul, yes. uh, when you were looking at the uh, let's let's go full spoiler here. Uh, we're mm-hmm. not going to reveal our best of list quite yet because I think we're still working on the, the fourth quarter of 2016. Yeah, diligently. we got to keep our quarterly shit going on. Right, but we don't rush to conclusions. Um, no. But I'm pretty sure uh, that we will end up uh, – uh, we have been pretty vocal that Car Seat Headrest released um, our favorite album of 2016 – yeah, uh, nothing we'll keep, has topped it yet. We'll keep it on pins and needles, whether it's the best, but uh, I think it oh. probably is. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and when you were looking at uh, the best albums 2016 on Pitchfork, were you hopeful mm-hmm. that Car Seat Headrest uh, would be uh, would be well represented there? Did you think? I thought it would. I thought it'll probably make top ten. Was I guess my expectation. Um, but I didn't really think it was going to be number one. Uh, so we were, wa- we were wrong. Yeah. Uh, it was not in the top 10. No, um, it was not in the top 20. No. Uh, and that is perhaps indicative of Pitchfork's abandoning of uh, what I'm going to say, indie music. Uh, oh, yeah. For... Um, a, a totally different um, era of recorded sonic art. Absolutely. Uh, I'm looking at their top 10 here. I would say two of these would qualify as indie. And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, I think that, you know, looking at this list, uh, probably in five years ago definitely 10 years ago i mean that car seat headrest album is in the top three Mm -hmm. um and so now the top three uh is beyonce frank ocean and solange yeah and number four is uh number four is david bowie and number five is kanye so we have 
At number five, the biggest recording of artists of the current day. Number four, one of the biggest recording artists of all time. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Number three, the second biggest recording artist of our day, Frank Ocean, who is uh, almost indie. And then Solange, who is the sister of the second biggest recording artist of our day. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> it's... <laughs> Well, I mean, like, it's not indie music is dead. I mean, indie rock uh, yeah. as a genre still exists because uh, Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert continue to champion it. So it exists in the public consciousness there and maybe nowhere else, you know, maybe on uh, Major League Baseball broadcasts like bumpers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the AV Club is a reasonably influential outlet, and they will—they do interesting things with indie bands. I mean, and so does Pitchfork, I guess, by that standard. But as far as getting the highest plot, it says this is possibly the best music being made right now. You're right; it doesn't really get that from anybody. Yeah, indie music—you know, this idea where great art becomes popular uh, within a community of those who care about great art. Um, mm-hmm that uh, ideal has been left behind um, and it's re- been replaced uh, by the newest form of pop, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I was trying to find a, w- a name for it, like social wave music or me- <laughs> meme Just- music. Justice no. wave is pretty good. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> meme music, event music, uh, you know, uh, where um, big music is what's part of the social conversation, uh, yeah. not what's the best art of, yeah. of the day or week or month or year. And it's, it's, it's what you have to post about. Like, essentially, this, <laughs> this list is, like, the 50 albums, like, in order, like, the ones you, you were most required to tweet about. that's true i mean so i'll give them the credit that like um you know it's like it's like the smart person's take on the pop charts so um right what what the 1975 is not on this list they went number one so you know thank god for that um i'm sure there's some other uh brainless um rap and or pop album that was really big that I probably don't even think about. Like, J. Cole is not on this list. Um, Did 21 Pilots come up with an album this year? I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, or the Lumineers or some shit. Right. Um, so it's not like... it. They're not. We're not at, like, Rolling Stone levels of um, uh, just sheer debasement of taste. Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Solange and Beyonce and Kanye are definitely better than all of those type of acts. Um so I'll give them credit for that, but I agree. It's it seems impossible to me that by sheer artistic merit, uh, three of the top five albums of the year are part of the Kanye, Beyonce, Jay Z, Solange axis. Like there's uh, there's no way that's true. Um, uh, you know, I think the other thing is if you look at like this top ten, like this is. Um, there's nothing wrong. I, like we've talked about this a million times. There's nothing wrong with viewing music as a political thing. It is a political thing, but, uh, 
becoming one of the top 10 albums requires that you either be a highly political album, which I would say seven or eight out of the 10 of these are, um, uh, or right. you uh, be one of the favorite artists of all time of the people who really think about music politically, like David Bowie and Radiohead are. Um, you know, so it's just, uh, I mean, honestly, uh, as much as I, um, I think the, um, there's nothing politically wrong with car seat headdress, but it's not exactly a political album. And I think that probably hurts it in the current climate as far as year in lists go. Well, you're certainly not required to, uh, tweet about it. Yeah, exactly. You're not, nobody's really talking about how car seat headrest uh i don't i don't want to come off as like some anti-social justice warrior ranter because i think it's fine that people really care about the political ways music impacts their lives but i just i think it's weird that that is so much so obviously such a heavy focus of deciding what the best music of the year is that's all i mean i I, it's interesting to look at the pitchfork reader poll Mm -hmm. Um, which I did not. So you'd be surprising me if you gave me the results right now. So number one was, was Frank ocean. um, Okay. And and number two, Radiohead, number three, Kanye, four, Bonnevere, five, David Bowie, six chance, seven tribe called quest, eight, Beyonce, nine car seat headrest and 10, Danny Brown. Um, Mm. And I think that Danny Brown is maybe one, a a great example of a less political album Mm -hmm. that I think is better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those three, you know, Frank Ocean, Beyonce, Solange, and uh, probably Kanye too. I mean, yeah, definitely Kanye. Like Danny Brown's album was better than those albums if you're just like i'm gonna sit down and uh, listen to something really interesting and really well made and i'm not thinking about what i i'm not thinking about what it means in the context of uh you know the browsing pantsuit nation Uh, (laughs) you know I, you know, yeah. I mean, right, which I say sarcastically, but like, I'm sorry, that's, you know, or, or, you know, tweeting about the, the DSA or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, posting 4chan memes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Know. And, and, you know, to their credit, Pitchfork did make Danny Brown number 11, I believe. They did, um, right. yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so, <laughs> Uh, ultimately, I guess my thing with this is, um, I don't mind it too much because like I've said before, I try to, uh, I try to avoid worrying about rankings and awards with music and stuff. Right. When I first read this list, I was like, uh, okay. But I mean, when I look through this list of the top 10, for instance, um, these are all albums I listen to, obviously. And... I at least like all of them. So I can't really complain too much. Some of them I really love. Um, and if they want to put them in a slightly different uh, order than I would, I I can't get too worked up about it. I just think it's a little strange what the priorities are. And that also leads to some some sort of lame writing. Like um, I'm reading here from the from the track for Beyonce's Lemonade. Not the yeah. track, the, the description for Beyonce's Lemonade. 
says, this year led to a lot of reimaginings, including a colossal rethink of what we mean when we talk about protest music, which right there, I'm already uh, a little miffed because I read about culture on the internet every single day I'm at work and did so all year. And I somehow missed this colossal rethink of what we mean when we talk about protest music. It was colossal and I didn't even see it. Um, Suddenly the old (laughs) definitions don't make sense. Lemonade, Beyonce's sixth solo album, isn't expressly political in the grand didactic tradition of blown in the wind. But these songs uh, and the accompanying film um, still feel like a call to arms, a mandate to reassess everything, whether it's relationships with those we hold dear or, or the methods by which we fight for what we believe. And my reaction here is like, so you're saying we need to consider protest music to include things like reassessing our relationships. And that sounds to me more like you're just eviscerating the meaning of protest music as a term so that you can fit any music you liked at this time into that extremely hip category. Um, and I don't think that really does a service to either protest music or the music you're shoehorning into the category at all. Uh, yeah, I, that <laughs> it does not. It just it it there's nothing. There seems to be less to gain from elevating, uh, you know, Beyonce and Frank Ocean to the level of a cause than yeah. many people want uh, want to admit. And I think that, you know, then it, to me, I can make a pretty easy jump from that from like to, you know, the the idea that Hamilton will somehow cure, you know, watching Hamilton is somehow a cure for our democracy, mm-hmm. uh, what ails our democracy, or that someone saying, how could anyone who's read Harry Potter vote for Donald <laughs> Trump? You know, yeah, it, 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 it becomes I, another cultural artifact trotted out as a mascot for the political beliefs you have. Yeah. Um, and that uh, it's, it's disingenuous and ultimately, it I don't think it holds up as a reason to elevate these albums yeah. quite as high as they are. And and I, maybe it's unfair. I mean, you know, Solange's album is fucking good. Frank yeah. Ocean's album is fucking good. Um, mm-hmm. Beyonce's album we've talked about. We talked about on the show, like how good it was when it came yes. out. Um, there, there. We love David Bowie. I like Life yeah. of Pablo. You don't particularly, but yeah. You know, like I said, I at least like all of these albums. It's just, it's just a weird mindset, is all. Right. It's all. I mean, I, I can't go. I don't want to go back to like what. I don't know enough about these years, but it's, it's sort of like if Pitchfork uh, existed when, um, you know, uh, Dangerous came out. You know, saying that Michael Jackson had released the best album of that year. And mm-hmm. it, it's, um, I I don't know whether that really like holds up as an interest. Ultimately, it's like a piece of of music criticism and journalism, and I don't know whether it holds up, uh, right, in that regard. Um, uh, but yeah, maybe yeah, maybe with some of David Bowie. It does. I will say this. Uh, I'll say that I, I think we've been abandoned to some extent 
we like music that I think more and more is called uh, DIY music. <laughs> um, whether, you know, like Diet Sig, Big Thief, mm-hmm. uh, these kinds of bands who are, um, you know, band camp grunge. Yes. Uh, that, yeah, that's the one movement you would have no idea existed from this list, except maybe Mitski if you count her. Yeah, uh, I think we've largely uh, lost Pitchfork as a champion of that, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, have if if that's the music you like, uh, the rock music that's being played in small clubs and being kind of distributed on cassette tapes and such. Um, uh, it's hard to find. Pitchfork did do a separate uh, good article about you know some of the best uh, uh, garage rock tapes mm. of the year, uh, which is, was a little hard to find. I happened upon it, but um, you know, <laughs> twenty really. I listened to all twenty, and they were all fucking really fun um, and good. And that stuff is not showing up anywhere near their top albums list or anyone's top album list uh and i think that that um you know uh, maybe frankie cosmos and 4k yeah. courts uh and Car- i mean they're they're there but they're just they're not being touted as the um the sort of vital I, force that we feel them to be yes yes and, you know, that's fine to some extent. I, Pitchfork is, I think, like all media outlets nowadays, staffed by uh, a gaggle of 23-year-olds. Right. And uh, 23-year-olds don't really care about rock music anymore, as we've discussed. So um, <laughs> in the interest of not being a complete old man complaining about the kids on his lawn, um, uh, I can understand that the new generation just doesn't share my taste on that matter. But um, I... <laughs> At the same time, the fact that it's really like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be one more voice saying like these really really insanely popular people are awesome is um, uh, it feels like an abandonment of the Pitchfork mission to some extent. Certainly, what uh, what got us into uh, uh, Pitchfork? Uh, yeah, we we will soon be the uh, uh, Damien Chazelles of rock music uh, directing. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. <laughs> he, he's the director of Whiplash and La La Land. And uh, okay. both movies uh, are uh, about, um, you know, the supposed mission to save. They, they both have like this sort of subtext of saving jazz. Ah, uh, gotcha, and, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah. We, we will, you know, there, there will soon be musics about saving rock. No one goes to rock, <laughs> rock clubs anymore. <laughs> this is a real spirit. Um, yeah. Um. Uh, Paul, Paul. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. 2017, uh, will punk music save us from Donald Trump? No, Joe. Nothing will save us from Donald Trump. <laughs> Only the, the cor- void. That is the correct <laughs> answer. Um... um. <laughs> You know, uh, punk might save us from some future dictator 20 years from now when it has inculcated values in the youth of today, but uh, uh, it's too late for us now. Agreed. Um, Okay, so we uh, 
convened this first podcast of 2017 to talk about Run the Jewels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already listened to one track uh, from Run the Jewels 3. Let's listen to another. All right. Uh, I'm going to recommend, Joe, that we go with um, uh, Everybody Stay Calm. Hell yeah. Which I love. Go for it. again was take it easy by run the jewels from run the jewels three it is goddamn savage to eat with no hands and not even use napkins (laughs) Uh, that is that that caught me the first time i heard this song yeah Uh, just uh, just diving face first into a, a pile of food I definitely yeah. imagine it being like curry, like just yes. mess everywhere. Yes. <laughs> um, and the line after that uh, is uh, number one bastard show up in jorts with a hatchet laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love this band, Joe. <laughs> uh, they're so good. Uh, Paul, why'd you, why'd you pick this track? Uh, so, uh, it's actually my favorite beat on the album, I think, mm. which, um, it's hard to pick, first of all, because LP's production is, mm-hmm. uh, insanely good. Um, it's actually, the, I think, pretty easily the chillest beat on the album, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily yeah. something I always would, uh, I would think I would look for, but, um, I don't know, just the sort of, um the little extra snare going on and then even the the voice of the guy going take it easy and like a really yes. smooth 70s voice just gets me um along with the usual uh interesting sort of minimalist synth melodies that LP is always putting on us so um that and then there there really are just a number of great lines the one you cited uh also I'm a nut punch wizard speed bag you ball bag leave none in it um, it's stupid, <laughs> but it makes me laugh. <laughs> um, and there are a bunch of others as well. Um, so yeah, that's why I picked this song, Joe. Uh, you know, when I first was approaching this album, uh, I, I guess I'd heard, um, you know, the first, uh, single, uh, released from it, um, which was, uh, legend has it. Um, and, and 
that it's an it's a representative track. I understand now, but at the time I thought it was maybe like a step, a slight step down from the absolute uh, power of some of the tracks from uh, Run the Jewels Two, to like mm-hmm. specifically the singles. Yeah. And then it was it was only when I sat down and then listened to the album when it came out that I under uh, I realized that he, like I think I have to start with like LP as a producer on this album has just com- fully blossomed into mm-hmm. an absolute artist able to use any kind of sound to make a run the jewels beat yeah Uh, even even more than like danny brown can rap over a variety of interesting samples here Mm -hmm. you know lp takes samples like that and you know kind of changes them into that loud pop stadium i, mm-hmm. I want to call it like a pro wrestling <laughs> uh beat uh that's that's coming at you with the the kayfabe uh <laughs> use one of your favorite words um, <laughs> do i use that and, word a lot it's a good you've, word <laughs> you've used it a couple times and and to create you know all different kinds of of you know emotions and atmospheres from you know, fear to, uh, joy to, to rage. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'll disagree with is that this is something new for LP who's been killing it for like fucking 20 years now. Well, not Uh, new, but just, uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I was surprised that this is, he's at a new peak. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, it is amazing that these guys are in their forties and they're, uh, they're not just like still good, but so vibrant and like just like just the sheer potency of what's going on with them is, you know, there's there's no sense in which I'm like, well, this is good. But uh, some 22 year old over here has more energy um, They They've given nothing away to age or uh, insanely massive quantities of weed at all, as far as I can tell. Um and yeah, just to add my own notes on the production, which is remarkable and is the foundation of what makes them awesome. Um, I think the really, and I've seen this written ever, uh, elsewhere, but the really notable thing about LP's production is just the the way he uses bass so heavily all the time. Um, the beats are always super heavy. And then you combine that with uh, some of my favorite snare sounds of anybody in the world. Um, I was trying to think of metaphors and I came up with snares like, or similes like liver shots. Um, it just, it's, it's very intense. And then, uh, like you said, also, you know, he takes, uh, samples that are like, you know, sometimes like sixties guitar, it sounds like. And sometimes somehow he makes all of these things. Um, unlike most producers who make, will make a sample sound like some sort of vintage nostalgia thing. He'll make it sound like the future. Um, almost no matter what it is. And, uh, yeah. Um, then also just the, the way that all this combines to make, uh, his music sound both ominous and, um, make you bop your head at the same time is, uh, something that I think very few rap producers pull off. Um, so yes, 
LP is amazing. Yeah, uh, I think there is the uh, the song uh, also "Oh Mama" that has like a mm-hmm. nice like rock riff as its mm-hmm. um, backbone, and that's one of the songs that really like even if it's not like one of my favorites on the album, just like is total command of such a wide palette of sounds. Yeah. Was, uh, striking. Totally. Um, and then on top of that, you put uh, <laughs> two completely hilarious and also um, politically awesome rappers. I will uh, I will say it's hard to listen to Run the Jewels without thinking about politics because it's pretty much uh, foreground about half the time, and um, I love their politics. So uh, uh, they they just rule. Um, because, <laughs> also, the fact that um, I don't know. Uh, not only is it political, but it's like uh, just so in your face about it in a really um, ballsy way. Uh, I just I can't get enough of it. I just yeah the the you have lyrics like you think baby Jesus killed Hitler just so I whisper. <laughs> Uh, when you're safe and sound, these crooks tap your phone and now have a file on you. And you go uh-huh. from that to uh, a few lines later. Um, fuckers open the books up and stop bullshitting the kid. My dick got a Michelin star. I'm on par with the best ever. <laughs> Took the gig. Uh, that, you know, and and at the end, this is all in um, uh, talk to me. And at the end of that, yeah. I love. Um, uh, I might ghost ride a tank, take a ride to the bank. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm the son of Rick Rubin, rushing full thrust. Don't flash weak shit to the Shark Tank judge. <laughs> uh, it's just it's it's a combo of yeah. absolute rat, uh, beautiful like hip hop, uh, crotch grabbing. With mm-hmm. truly uh, dark shit, yeah. not just oh the you know not no, I mean I don't want to like not just the cops are shooting us not to diminish that sentiment but like this whole world is you know yeah. part of the conspiracy that leads to the cops shooting black people you know <laughs> like that that just yeah. sort of like you know the uh, this is this is really like stay woke is um you know they take that message seriously and explain why yeah you should they are woker than you can even imagine yes um they're woke <laughs> af I, <laughs> I can't believe you cut out the the first two lines from that quotation joe because uh brave men did not die down face down in the muck in vietnam for him to not style on you <laughs> that's that line yeah. cracks me up <laughs> wow um, uh, in which that line apparently LP confi- confirmed via Twitter that that's referencing uh, Walter from Big Lebowski. Oh, of course, obviously, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, that's a direct quote. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, um, I, I got a song. I got one another track that I would like yeah, to play. play a little sample of uh, sure. Thursday. Thursday in the Danger Room. Featuring Kamasi right. Washington. Um, uh, 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 uh. 
not life design you figure out quickly that nothing gets answered when you ask the universe why life is a journey to live is the worry the love is to lose your damn mind but live is the blessing so i'm not stressing because some of my friends they survive that's the release but a much bigger pieces of living on limited time like how do you look in the eyes of a friend and not cry when you know that they're dying how do you feel about yourself when you notice sometimes you would wish they were gone not because you didn't love them but just because you felt too weak to be strong you couldn't bear to see someone who prided themselves on the strength to feel weak the cruelty of randomness holding for ransom their life and they're fading their dreams you see that they're fighting and know that they're losing but still you make jokes when you laugh because you know despite all the sadness that you better get the good times while they last now every new word that they speak you are already feeling like it's in the past they are gone, you just try to move on Cause the memory's hurting too bad I've grown up so much and I wonder who you'd become If you stuck for a while Just know that I love you, your friend ain't forget you Now when I remember I smile But I guess I'd say I'll see you soon That was Thursday in the Danger Room, but uh, featuring Kamasi Washington by Run the Jewels. Yeah, yeah. Kamasi, uh, frequent Kendrick collaborator, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also a uh, releaser of his own well-acclaimed jazz album uh, last year, I believe. Yeah, and Pitchfork's Top Ten. Um, yeah. Uh, this, this song, uh, I think, it stood out to me uh, as... Uh, I think in hip hop, well, I'll say first, just, you know, anecdotally listening to the album, I, you know, was really caught off guard by this song, which mm-hmm. is so uh, kind of openly emotional and, and talking about, uh, you know, sick, dying, dead friends uh, yeah. in a way that's that's really sincere and... um you know, relatable and believable. Yeah. Um, Affecting. Yeah. And I think that's hard, extremely uh, difficult to do uh, in the context of hip hop. And that's Mm -hmm. not a slight against hip hop. It's just not uh, the, you know, the tools that you're given require, um, you know, a lot of, uh, work and manipulation to get to to, to this point. Um, and when it does happen, it usually descends into sentimentality, um, sort of like uncomplicated, just sort of, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> hagiography too easily. Um, yeah. yeah. Whereas doctor, this... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was, was going to say, say even, like, even Dr. Dre had trouble doing it Mm-hmm. On like you know the last track of Chronic 2001, the message, which is a great yeah. song, but even he had that problem getting it a little too sentimental at times. Yeah. Whereas here, I mean, the fact the way L uh, 
you know, just really bracingly talks about the conflicted emotions of being like, I, I just wish he would die because it would be, then it right. would be over, you know? Right. Um, speaking of which, did you read up on the backstory of whom he's specifically speaking about here? I did not, know. Oh, yeah, it's uh, Camu Tao, uh, a rapper from Columbus who released some records on uh, the very sadly defunct uh, definitive Jux label that LP used to run. Um, and uh, he had, you know, he's, he, he was part of that whole Def Jux community, and uh, he died in 2008 of lung cancer, um, sort of working on an album up to the end. So that's, that's specifically whom he was thinking about when he uh, wrote this. He confirmed that on Twitter, apparently. Um, and, and Killer Mike seems yeah. to come in with his own friend or yeah, friends the- who have. I actually thought the Killer Mike one was even better, if you ask me. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the LP one, but the the conclusion of the Killer Mike one, you know, um, uh, just I for, I don't remember the exact wording, but you know, I hope you I hope you righted your wrongs so that um, uh, you know it wasn't just another black man being killed for a chain. Um, is like, it, it really, it really hits hard. I mean, that's not even the most original sentiment, but, um, uh, he delivers it, um, so powerfully that it hits, it's hit every time I've listened to it so far. Yeah. They're both, you know, I think that maybe what distinguishes them, um, even at this age, uh, you know, at this point in their career is that they're both masterful storytellers Mm -hmm. and, you know, they they take the time to um, create the you know the arc within these uh, songs and and think about um, you know what they uh, um, you know they think about the message and they create um, you know an entire uh, story around that um, and I think Killer Mike. Um, you know, we were big fans of uh, Killer Mike's songs, song Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the song, right? Um, yeah. And it might be just Reagan. I don't just remember, Reagan, and that song builds so well mm-hmm. uh, to this point where he explains how <laughs> you know every president has fucked the poor and. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. black people and every, and, and he understands, you know, how to uh, it, it just kind of the power of rhetoric yeah, <laughs> in these songs <laughs> and how convincing it can be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, these guys are incredible. I would say it's not just, that's not all, all that separates them apart. I really think right. they're the best going, still at this old age at this sort of Beowulf style heroic boast that um, is sort of the bread and butter of rap. I don't think anybody is better at it than they are. Um, yeah. Nobody tells incredible. a better dick joke than LP. No, <laughs> I got a unicorn horn for a stop. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, this, uh, this album it's it, the other crazy thing is that like uh, LP was, uh, had released uh, three solo albums starting in like 2000 or 2001 or whenever Fantastic Damage came out. 
and then another one in 2006 and then uh cancer for cure i think was 2011 so he was doing like one every five years and then now all of a sudden he hooks up with killer mike um whom the same year as 2000 as cancer for cure he produced all of killer mike's album um and then they decide to be in a band together and now they're doing an album every year that's incredible um yeah. Yeah. and uh just the fact that they're they're not only getting old and still being awesome but getting old and still being awesome and being more prolific than ever is uh i mean nobody does that in music whether in rock or hip-hop or anything True. um you know in hip-hop we haven't really had too many chances for dudes to get old and uh stay relevant but uh r.i.p tupac <laughs> yeah uh the ones who have who are a little older like dre and jay-z have clearly fallen off to some extent um yeah i realize that this is a dangerous thing for my life to say but um well, much respect to the uh <laughs> tribe called quest that's uh, true their 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 recent album is incredible yes yeah um uh worthy of number seven on pitchfork's top 10 list uh or top 15 50 um but uh still the thing with run the jewels that they're still just every year pumping out one of these is awesome and then then when you go see them and killer mike is this huge fat guy uh by his own admission and um is uh jumping around more than i think i could and i'm in pretty good shape uh for the full hour of their show <laughs> or so forth uh i think they might be on steroids um as well as we <laughs> is basically my my takeaway it's it's uh, entirely possible. Uh, I don't think they would be ashamed for taking uh, performance-enhancing drugs. My only thing is, I think they would uh, openly talk about it. That's uh, true. Just <laughs> as much as they talk about weed. So. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, Paul, this mm-hmm. album. Uh, else, I'm going to conclude. By saying mm-hmm. it, it's the only album of 2016. Uh, it was released right under the wire. Um, you know how I'm going to say this as I was feeling pretty confident that nothing could challenge my favorite album of 2016, uh, Car Seat Headrest. And uh, then Run the Jewels said, Hold my beer, hold our beer. <laughs> uh, and Hold our blunts. Yeah, uh, and while I, I this is the you know I was shook. I don't think I quite <laughs> I didn't quite get there, but uh, to me, uh, I, this is clearly the second best album of 2016, uh, and it, as me and and perhaps highlights how meaningless such distinctions are. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, in in terms of just being uh, the the top echelon. Yeah. Of amazing music. Yeah. Um, I, that's an assessment I will not disagree with. Um, for my conclusion, I'm going to leave you uh, with the thoughts uh, of, a, um, of a rap genius anita- editor, um, or genius.com editor, uh, whose name I didn't record. But uh, of, of Killer Mike's tale of um, fingering a preacher's wife, he says... These lines juxtapose the sacred with the carnal to further illustrate that he has no reverence for leaders of organized religions. Mm. Yes. It's mm. the profound insights you go to rap genius to have explicated for you. Wow. I, you know, uh, you never know who wrote that. 
It was probably LP, um, would be my guess. <laughs> if, I was trying to think of the most pretentious person. It could have been... Um, I actually like to imagine that it's uh, um, uh, President Obama who's just <laughs> given up on governing and is now... Uh, <laughs> You know, in the the twilight of his, uh, what will soon be a lost era, is just <laughs> editing run the jewels lyrics on genius dot com. Joe, Joe, obviously it's Joe Biden who would be doing that. <laughs> obviously, it'd be a lot longer if it was Joe Biden. It'd be like three <laughs> paragraphs. Uh, you know, uh, I think uh, the most pre- I think the most pretentious thing that ever happened on Genius was when Michael Chabon. Uh, commented on a Kendrick Lamar verse, so um, which did happen. Um, yes, but uh, yeah, and I, actually, know, it was a really good comment on a really good verse. So that's fine. I, I actually lied with my conclusion. I have a I have a final concluding thought. Uh, um, okay, fine. Good good interview today on Pitchfork with uh, um, Run the Jewels, and I, I think that one of the I think a big reason that they are so vital right now is that they happen to have a worldview that uh, coincides so well with what's happening. And Pitchfork asked them, and you're like, uh, the question was, have the events of this uh, last year confirmed the dystopian worldview that you guys had all along? <laughs> uh, <And> uh, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and LP is like, yeah, it sucks. Because I see what, what it looks like for people to be experiencing that revelation for the first time. Uh, yeah. Like, damn, you're just having to deal with this thought now. I'm not trying yeah. to be condescending in any way. It's just that I've always had that idea in my head, essentially, that crooks are taking over. That's something I always felt and put in my shit. Uh, <laughs> and, end quote. And I think that that is why Run the Jewels 1, 2, and 3 are just building towards uh, both of them uh, have felt, Paul, maybe something that uh, coincides with your oh, very yeah. cynical view. Uh, <laughs> it's not cynical. The, <laughs> yes, you're, you're very um, uh, fat- fatalistic view of That's mankind's fair. prospects <laughs> and uh, it matches so well with uh, what so many people are now seeing. Yeah, no, I've had that, almost this exact sentiments that LP just expressed of like, I I see that you're throwing a fit a little bit and I understand it because I too had to throw a fit with myself when I first started thinking this way. So, <laughs> um, yeah, not you, I'm saying the general you. Um, yes. So yeah, yes. it's me, uh, me as well. It, I feel like <laughs> it literally applies to me. So, you know. Um. Fair enough. Um all right, Joe, uh, let's close out with one more Run the Jewels track. Yes. Hit me. Hey, hey, ki- hey, ki- hey kids. Got big ideas, got plans to rock. Any rock 
I'm living in Bill Gates in the ghost of Jaws. Yeah, I said that I'm in it. I ain't flinching it. March on lynching it. Run through a motherfucker face like ignorant. Internet domain imminent. We the preeminent. Killing it. Winning it.